Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. I believe the Lord's put two messages on my heart. They tie in. You're going you're gonna to find the main message is going to tie right in with this message. Uh, since you're here for Sunday school, you're going to find that the main message, which is called the lawful use of the law. The lawful use of the law. There's an unlawful way to use the law, and there's a lawful way to use the law. And so I, I really believe that the Lord has just put these on my heart. I, I've been wanting to preach that message for about five years. And so um, I had put it together for last week. just didn't come together, but this week it came together. And so um, I pray the Lord will allow me to preach it the way I feel it. And um, we have such freedom in Christ. And, and the scripture tells us not to be uh, yoked again under bondage. And that means any kind of thing. Any, anything that people would put upon us for performance, right? Well, if you're not doing this, you, how can you be a Christian? So anything that people would put upon us for performance, all has to do with that. Anything that people put upon us for salvation that we have to do, it's all a lie, beloved. And we're going to see that even today in the message in, in Sunday school here today, today as well. And as we've looked at our study of Galatians, we've learned that the book of Galatians was written to expose false teachers and false religion, which is basically man-based salvation. <clears throat> you can boil all the, the religions of the world into two religions. You've heard me say this. You've heard Henry say this. You've heard other grace preachers say this. Two religions, works or grace, they all, have, they all come from one or the other, right? And you can see it. You can see it. Catholicism is all about what you do. Seventh-day Adventism, you have to go to church on Saturdays and do all this stuff to be saved. Campbellism, which is um, Church of Christ, you have to be baptized to be saved. Some, some Pentecostal churches say you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved. Right? Those are all. Those are other. Those are those are other gospels. It's not the true gospel. And then you even hear some people say, "Well, we have a full gospel, and they only have part gospel." There's full gospel churches out there. I didn't know the gospel wasn't complete. Right? It's good news, isn't it? So it's good news because it's God's salvation. It's based upon what Christ done, not based upon what we do. You see? And that's the key, isn't it? So, <clears throat> Galatians written to expose false religionists who, who want to mix law and grace. Now, Travis, you, you worked in the speed shop. And my dad worked as a trailer mechanic. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. That when you see oil and water on the floor, they don't mix they separate, don't they? They separate. They, and and when, when oil does mix with water, I remember it pooling up. And you could see all these colors, but they didn't mix together. See, grace does not mix with the law. The law has a use. And I'll tell you what, we can't find any fault in the law, can we? Not at all in the law of God. Because it comes from our great God. We can't find no fault in the law. It reflects a holy and righteous God. But when man mixes man's sinful works with grace, it's no longer grace. And that's what these fellows were doing. 
they were taking a portion of the law and said you must be circumcised along with faith in Christ to be saved. And that's not true. There's nothing that we sinful human beings can do to obtain salvation. Not even in a part. And, and I'll tell you this. Christ doesn't need no help saving his people, does he? He did all the work. See, but the reason we're, and, and I'm not looking down on folks like that because I was in religion. I came out of all that. And I remember my mentality was that there's something I have to do. And we're wired like that. We come out of the womb wired like that. There's something I have to do. Surely it has to be something that includes something like, it can't be so simple, is, is grace alone. I remember talking to someone so dear to me, and they said, it's that simple? And I said, yeah, just look to Christ. Just look to Christ. And that's what makes people stumble, is the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of faith in Christ and him alone, by his shed blood, redeeming our eternal souls. The fact that he did all the work. So there's nothing for me. Remember the Philippian jailer? What must I do to be saved? Nothing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right? Just believe. So let's look at Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 19 to 24. And we're going to see again, Paul's bringing forth the purpose of the law. What the law is for. What, What it does. It says, wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Verse 20. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Now this is a natural question. This is a question that natural man will ask. This could even be a question that believers could ask. Well then what's the purpose of the law then? Remember who the true author of these words are. God the Holy Spirit is going to tell us by the hand of Paul. I always have to remind myself that when I'm reading the scriptures that these words are really God's words. These men just penned these words. They were inspired by God to write these words. Is the law then against the promises of God? Oh, God forbid. Let it never be. For if there had been a law given which could give it, have given eternal life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But here's our, our two verses today. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. <clears throat> Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in, in, in Jesus Christ. Look at that. We're the children of God by faith in Christ. And our text will be verses 23 and 24. Let's read that again. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Now, see those words there? See those words there, verse uh, 23. I was in in chapter 4 there. Look at that. 
<coughs> see those words. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. See the words to bring us? That's not in the original Greek text. They're italicized. Whenever you see italicization in the King James Bible, it means it wasn't in the original text. It was added for readability. So let's read it without that. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The only one who can bring us to Christ is God. See, the law, what it does, the law strips us of any hope. And I still, I'm not saying it doesn't bring us to Christ. I, I say it all the time. <clears throat> but God uses it to bring us to Christ. It's by God's power that we're brought to Christ. See, what the law does, it, it slays us. There is absolutely no hope for us when we look at the law. You know, people say, well, well the Lord said you, you need to obey them. Yeah, and we, and we do, don't we? But we know that we can't obey any of them. Even, so, so are we to kill? No. It's a good thing not to kill. Are we to steal? No, it's a good thing not to steal. Are we to use the Lord's name in vain? No, it, it's a holy name. Right? Are we to cover our neighbor's wife? No, not at all. Are we to commit adultery? No, it's not a good thing to do that. Right? Are we to... Are, it, it just goes on and on and on, right? My, oh my. We're, it, it's good that we don't do those things. <clears throat> but you see... Man, and this is why I think these two messages are so relevant for today even. Because man has no care for the commandments of God. We, we, have, we have turned our back on God. We have. And even when I was younger, do you know when I was young on Sunday, you could roll a bowling ball down the main street and not even hit a person. Because everything was closed. Every, you all remember that, right? Everything was closed. Even the people who, who didn't believe in God, they enjoyed that day off, didn't they? But see, man has, now, now it's all about commercialism. It's all about money. Well, we're losing a day of revenue here. My, it, you know, it's, and, and God set that day aside. It's good for us to rest, isn't it? But who's our rest? Amen, sister. So we don't have to set aside a certain day. We don't have to set aside a certain day, do we? Because our rest is in Christ, in him alone. But I'll tell you what, it was sure nice. Sundays were family time. You don't see that as much anymore, do you? Oh, my. Oh, my. So verse 23 here says, Before faith came, we were kept under the law. We were shut up on the, the faith that, that afterwards should be revealed. Now we're going to look at what that word means later on. You know, we were concealed. We, we had no idea who God was. He was concealed to us. And, and that word means it's like an unveiling. It's wonderful. He's unveiled himself for us in the sense that here I am. Remember Isaiah? Oh, he sure got a glimpse of the Lord, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And what did he do? He was on his face. See, there's no fear of God nowadays. There's no reverence for God. 
But I'll tell you what, on that great day, there'd be a lot of knees shaking and quaking when they have to stand before God. Oh, my. In verse 22, verse 22 mentions the faith of Jesus Christ. And verse 23 is talking about the faith of Jesus Christ and the faith of all believers as well. We do not have faith naturally. It's not something we have. It has to be given to us. In our natural state, we want absolutely nothing to do with God. And that's what we're seeing now, right? In this world. And there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing. You know, we see it and we're like, man, it's horrible. It is horrible. Horrible to see man's depravity, isn't it? But there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Oh, my. So, so faith is not something we have naturally. It has to be given to us. So every one of us here who are believers, we have been given the gift of faith. By God. He has given that to us. I remember a time when I didn't believe. Vicki and I were talking, and we were looking at pictures of uh, Brother Billy and, and his wife, K K KJ. And we were looking at those pictures, and Vicki goes, they look like totally different people. And I said, that's how I feel about who I was before and who I am now. It's like a totally different person. Different thoughts, different feelings. The things I once loved, now I hate. The things I once hated, now I love. That's all God, beloved. That's all God. Think of this. We're sitting here, we all love the Bible now. We love the gospel. Forty years ago, we didn't. Some of us. I, hadn't, I, I didn't have any care. I was, I was 18 years old, 19 years old, living a crazy life. No care at all. My God, isn't God gracious? He didn't let us destroy ourselves back then. So God must give us faith to believe on Christ. And all the elect of God, all his promised children were redeemed from, from the curse of the law. We're redeemed out from under the law. The law had a rightful claim on us. And we're redeemed out from under that law. And all our sins being removed, they're gone. We remember them, but they're gone in God's eyes. He doesn't remember them at all. And that's hard for us to comprehend because we remember our sins, don't we? But he don't remember them, beloved. They're washed clean in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, every single vile sin we've ever committed. Washed clean. Gone. From God's eyes. Oh my, let us live in that. Let us live in that joy. That all our sins are forgiven. All of them. All of them. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law because Christ was made a curse for us. And our sins, they were laid upon Christ. And he bore them all. And then he gave us his perfect righteousness. Oh, he is a perfect sinless lamb of God. The just one dying for the unjust. And we were under the curse of the law until Christ came. He had a claim on us, beloved. And he removed that curse. He fulfilled. He didn't set us... Remember, he didn't set aside the law of God. See, a lot of people 
we, we got to remember, he didn't set it aside. He honored it. He fulfilled it. He magnified it. He did that which was impossible for you and I. He did it for us. That's incredible. What a savior. What a redeemer. And our text says, before faith came, rejoice, beloved. Christ has come. Christ has come, and we're being given faith to believe on him. Let us rejoice. Oh, my, our Savior came to bring in everlasting righteousness, and he accomplished this work for his people. My, oh, my. Take note of verse 23. It says that before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Look at that. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up, Unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Take note that our text brings forth that the faith of Christ must be revealed. That's what it says right there. It must be revealed. See, it's something that we don't know naturally. We don't know it naturally. We don't know Christ naturally. It must be revealed. And, and, and this brings forth that in our natural state, we did not know Christ. We did not know who God was. Now, we might have had a God of our imagination. We might have had a God who we, who we could control. But it's not the one true living God. He's uncontrollable. You ever think of that? You ever think no one controls our God? No one. See, we're, we live in a world where we control our own little environments, don't we? we? We think we do. Yeah, exactly, sister. We think we do. We try to, right? We try to control our little, live a little peaceful life and say, well, if that person is going to be like that, I'm not going to talk to them anymore, so I'll just, I'll just be over here now. And God is not controlled by anybody. He has no restraints. He has no advisors. He, he is absolutely sovereign. That's what makes it amazing that he saved our souls. He didn't have to. But in his great love for us, he's, he, he planned and purposed that. It's absolutely amazing. And the faith of Christ cannot be obtained by anything we do. Anything sinful man does can't, can't gain the faith, the faith of God. It is script, this scripture tells us plainly it must be revealed. So there's no way for me to get it in my natural state. Well, that takes out praying a prayer, right? Walking an aisle. Making a so-called decision for Christ. The only reason, the only reason I, I chose Christ is because he chose me first. The only reason I love Christ is because he loved me first. See, we do, we do choose and run to him, don't we? We, we can't deny that. We do. But we have to be born again first. We have to be given faith by God. See, that's all the work of God. And Christ has to have redeemed us on Calvary's cross. And we run to him then, don't we? But it's all God's work, isn't it? See, this, this has to be revealed. I marvel at this because there was a time when, when it wasn't revealed to me and to you too. And now look what we, what, look what we know. Look what we've learned. And it, that all comes from God, too. We can't even boast in our learning, can we? We can't boast in our knowledge because it all comes from him. He, he's the revealer. 
He's the reveal. And we're still learning things, aren't we? A sermon gets preached or we're reading scripture and something just goes whoosh. And we're just, we're just like kids in the candy store. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. My, oh, my. So God brings his promised his promise children under the preaching of the gospel of, of him, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And this faith will not be revealed under the, under the preaching of the law of Moses. No. There's people who just preach law to people. There's no salvation there. Do, 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 do. We preach done. It's done. It's finished. It's completed by Christ. We just look to him. Oh, my. But we do cry to sinners. We do cry out to sinners. Flee to Christ, don't we? Turn to Christ. He's the only hope for sinners. He's the only, knowing that if they, if they do, it's God that's done a work. And we rejoice. We rejoice. And under the preaching of the gospel, God reveals, God the Holy Spirit reveals who Christ is. Reveals why he came. Who he came for. And where he is right now. Where he is right now. He's raised from the dead. He's, he's on seat at the right hand of God. And marvel at the fact brought forth in this scripture that God reveals the gospel to sinful men and women like you and I. He even does that. He can have left us groping in the dark, beloved. But he chooses to reveal himself to us. And he does it at the time of love. It's our appointed time of love. And then we just cry out for the rest of our lives, Abba, Father. Oh, you're everything to me, Lord. See the word revealed there in our text? Literally, it means to remove a veil. That's what I was getting at earlier. We had a veil on us, beloved. And God's revealed the veil. And now we see God for who he really is. See, I had a God of my imagination. Would weigh me in the scales of justice. And my good would outweigh my bad. Well, I found out I got no good at all down here. Oh, my isn't it true? He unveils himself. He removes that veil. And we're like, we're just like Isaiah. I'm in the dirt, Lord. Woe is me. I'm a man undone. And I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That's all man's depravity when he said that. Oh, my. And think of it. Think of that. He, he unveils the truth to us. He unveils who he is. My, oh, my. It means literally to remove a veil or covering, exposing to open view. I like this. This is awesome. Exposing to open view that which was hidden. He was hidden from us. And now we have exposed to our view the glory of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we see the Redeemer. When we never saw him before. Now, now we see that God is holy. And that everything that proceeds from him is holy. Right? Everything. My. We did not at one time know the true and living God. But now we know him. Now we're born again. We can see, we can see by faith who he is now. He's revealed himself to us. And who's the object of God-given faith? It's Christ, right? 
in Christ alone. He's the object of God-given faith. He came into this world, was manifest in the flesh by, by faith. The Old Testament saints looked to Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And by faith, we look to Christ as the one object of our faith. Now think of this too. Christ must be revealed, right? And he was to be revealed at a certain time. At the appointed time of God, he came into this world, sent by God the Father, right? But before his incarnation, he, he lay in the bosom of the Father. And he was in great measure hid under the types and shadows in the Old Testament, right? They were just what pictures of Christ. But to those who believed, those who had God-given faith, they, they saw in those types and shadows Christ. And we know that the prophets, the law and the prophets, they testified of Christ, didn't they? Because of the Lord's own words. Now he's been revealed. He's come. He's been revealed now to you and I, too, as believers. He was once hidden from us. And what's been revealed? That he came to save his people from their sins. He's the great Savior, the Redeemer, the Lamb of God, who shed his precious blood, his, his precious, precious blood, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, shed his blood to redeem us, to save us. And think of this. The testimonies of the Father by a voice from heaven of who he was. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The testimony of John the Baptist Behold the Lamb of God. Right? Testimonies of who he was. His miracles testified of who he was. That he was God incarnated in the flesh. All these things. And by the spirit of wisdom and knowledge. Testified of who he was. Look at verse. Let's read verse 24 now. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we must be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. The words to bring us, again, are not in the original text, which again should read, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster unto or until Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So the law, the law shuts us in, again, to where we have nowhere to go. <coughs> nowhere to go at all. Now, in our times, a schoolmaster directs the students who are in the classroom and teaches and instructs pupils. We call them teachers now. Teachers now. But, <coughs> excuse me, that's not the meaning of this Greek word. That's not the meaning of this Greek word. Beloved, this Greek word for schoolmaster does not mean school teacher, but child conductor. In homes of wealthy Greeks and Romans, there would be a trusted servant who would take the children to school. They wouldn't teach them anything, but they'd take them to school. The servant was called a pedagogas, or child conductor. This is the Greek word here used for schoolmaster. Not a teacher. Therefore, the he, he didn't teach the children, but he took them to the teacher who they'd be taught by. Yeah. Now we see what's going on, don't we? Yeah. Therefore, the law does not save, but it brings us to the one who can save. 
the only Savior of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one. So the, both, the purpose of both the moral and ceremonial law is to bring us to Christ, beloved. That's what its, that's what its purpose is for, is to bring us to Christ, to, to bring us to a point where we have nowhere else to go, nowhere, no one else to look to. So like a pay the go the law directs God's promised children unto Christ. And by his perfect obedience to the law of God and to the will of God, right, Christ fulfilled the law of God that we might be justified by faith. He did it all. So the law's purpose, like a schoolmaster, like, like a pay the go was just to bring the children to the teacher. It could never teach us anything. The law kills. It can't give life. It slays. But it brings us to the one who is the giver of eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? And we know from Romans 10, 4, the scripture declares, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes it. So for us, as believers, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He's the Lord our righteousness, isn't he? The law is being fulfilled. The, the righteousness of the law is being fulfilled by Christ's obedience in life and as our representative. And the justice and law of, of God has been fulfilled by Christ's satisfaction in his death. So in his life and in his death, he satisfied the law and justice of God. He did it for us. He, he was sinless. He's representing somebody, isn't he? He's, he's somebody's substitute. They're called the elect of God. It's wonderful. Romans chapter 4. Turn with me if you could real quick just to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to try to wrap this up in five minutes here. Romans chapter 4. Let's look at verses 20 to 25. This is speaking of Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verses 20 to 25. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. See, God's people were fully persuaded, right? That God's able to save us, aren't we? That what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it is written for his, it, it was not written for his sake alone, but or that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Look at that. The same righteousness that was imputed to Abraham is the same righteousness that's imputed to us. Christ's righteousness. God's righteousness. Oh, my. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him. There's the clause. See, this, this righteousness is not imputed to everybody. Christ didn't die for the whole world. He did die for a people. And for those people, this perfect righteousness will be imputed to them. And they'll be given faith to believe. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who, look at this, was delivered for our offenses. Delivered for Wayne Boyd's sin. Put your name in there too. Our, our offenses, our sins. And was raised up again for our justification. See, death had no claim on him. He's a sinless, spotless lamb of God. It can't hold him. Up from the grave he arose. <laughs> In mighty triumph over his foes. Right? Up he goes. Oh, it's wonderful. 
It's so wonderful. And remember what we're dealing with here. We're, the, we're dealing with the difference between law and grace and the subject. It, the subject's just too important to, to just take a casual look at it. It really is. It's as relevant for today as it, as it was then. And it's so important that God the Holy Spirit moved the Apostle Paul to pronounce a curse on anyone, including an angel from heaven, who would dare preach salvation by man's works. Look at Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. This, this topic is so important of mixing law and grace and how it's a false gospel that the Holy Spirit of God had, had Paul pen these words. And this is strong language here. This is strong language. Look at this. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, any other one other than salvation in Christ alone plus nothing, any other one, and I don't care how sincere the person is, these are the words of God the Holy Spirit, right? Any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. Let them be damned in the Greek. That's strong language, isn't it? Oh, my. As we said before, so I say again, now he's going to emphasize again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that what you have received, let him be accursed. That's why, that's why it's so, when, when a man's preaching the gospel, and this happened to a friend of mine. He lives in Georgia. You guys know him. And they said, well, he's not preaching the gospel. That's a serious offense. You're, you're accusing a man sent by God that he's not preaching the gospel? That's a serious offense. That's, that really is. In God's eyes, because there's only one gospel. There's only one. And note our text brings forth that, that we're justified by faith, which is in Christ and him alone. Look at, <clears throat> look at again, but... But after that faith has come, we are, oh, sorry, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we, we might be justified by what? Faith. God-given faith. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. In Christ alone. And when the Holy Spirit gives us faith to believe, Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior, he purges our conscience from dead works. Dead works, just purged. Purged. From dead works. To what? To serve the living and true God. Here we are, a bunch of rebels in our natural state. Now we're serving God. Now we're rejoicing over God, what he's doing in our lives. I never even used to think of that. Did you? My. Now some of you were raised in a Christian home, and you heard those things, but, but it became a reality for you when the Lord saved you. But, but for me, that stuff wasn't even talked about my, oh my. And I know some of you grew up in the same conditions I did. There was just nothing. We just didn't hear about it. But to know that Jesus Christ justifies all his elect by paying the ransom price in full, that the justice of God demanded for our souls, oh, how that, how, how that makes our hearts burn within us with joy. With joy, great joy. And if we do not believe the record, the word of God that he gives, and if we continue in a religion of works, we do not have the faith of God's elect. People say, well, well, he was a Christian. Not if he believed in a works-based salvation. I don't care how sincere he was. It's Christ and him alone. That God, and we saw in Galatians 1, God doesn't mess with that, does he? If God takes it that serious that he says that if a man's not preaching the gospel, let him be damned. Then we ought to take it serious too, eh? 
Oh my. But I'll tell you what, rejoice. Rejoice, beloved of God. God has revealed himself to us. He's, un, he's taken the veil that he was hidden from us, and now we know him. Let us leave here just praising God for his mercy, his goodness, and his grace.